Okay. Um, the um, let's a little bit. So, so let's speak a little bit introduction about the Mashas. The outside is going to be Hey Kislev. Let's talk a little bit about introduction of his tkufa. I'll take I'll take while I get this. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about his tkufa and get a sense of where and what and when. First of all, um, there is almost no good material, historic material about the Masha. Um, like we spoke many times before, unless something is written Bishaito and you have some, some way to connect to it, you're hard put for it. The, the safer that's most reliable in terms of historical things, facts and figures, is the Chidah Sefer, Shem Akdolim. And he has the basic points about the Masha. The Masha wrote a Tshuva Sefer that we don't have, unfortunately. We know he wrote Tshuvas, many Tshuvas. We don't have a Tshuva Sefer. But in his Farim itself, you have in, in his Chidusha Masha, there's this, there is some amount of historical material that's going to be fascinating, some of it, and of, of quite an interest. So first, so we're going to speak about the Tkufa, the, the, the context of the Tkufa, the Masha, the Tkufa itself, and some of the extraordinary features of that Tkufa, um, the Masha's, uh, what the Masha accomplished in terms of Halacha, uh, Halacha meaning this Pirish, w- w- what is Pirish accomplished um, in terms of making a change in the Tkufa, and, uh, and then I got uh, some points. So let's start off a little bit in the context of the generation. Until 1500 marks a very sharp end of a Tkufa, a Geras Farad in 1492, so Spanish Jewry is exiled, and that's gone. That's gone to Yisrael. We spoke about Beis Yosef, and that's one part of Klal Yisrael moving in tremendous direction, decimated, moving. The Jews in Ashkenaz had started in France and Germany, and France kicked out the Jews earlier a little bit, and never really were able to resettle. Germans, the Jews were settled in many parts of Germany. The, the amount of of expulsions in Germany is just mind-boggling. Um, it, it just never. It, it, and you have to understand something also. In those days, there were no real countries. Um, the closest to a country would be the size of a county today, kind of. It was in a state of a of a, a parts. And the prince in, in different parts of the world were were had different levels. They had a king, but a lot of times the king was irrelevant, and it was each principality or duchy, and they would throw Jews out all the time in Germany. It became especially difficult, um, the Reformation, which was the Protestant breakaway from the Catholic Church, took place in Germany, um, and it was the 1500s. Luther at first liked the Jews a lot because he thought that they're future Protestants. And when he realized that they're not, he turned against them as well. So the Jews, Lemaise, were um, so the Jews basically started leaving Germany. To just there's just so many times you can get expelled from your um, you know from your house and give up all your money and and uh, live with that. So the Jews migrated eastwards, which was Poland, Poland, parts of Czechoslovakia. They started moving this way. Those countries, again, the word country is, 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 is an overstatement. Those lands were 
were un, undeveloped lands totally, very primitive people, very ignorant people, um, and it, it, you know it, it had some miles that the church was there, but they didn't have the type of power in, in, that they had in France and Germany before the Reformation, and uh, and so on. So the Jews began moving eastwards towards Poland. The we know that the process started in the 1300s, but the the, the beginning of what we have real historical records, real works, real things written uh, is the 1500s. The first, I mean, there were two or three great figures, and they're important to know. One was Rabbi Pollock and Absalom Shachner, his, his Talmud, and they were the first yeshivas and rosh yeshivas in Poland. And that started at Kufa, followed in the 1500s, this was the beginning of the 1500s, in the 1500s, in the late 1500s, let me tell you who lived in Poland. In terms of halacha, in terms of Mefarshe uh, Gemara, you had the Marsha, the Maram, and the Marshal, the three guys in the back of the Gemara, they were there. In, in, in halacha, the Ramah, you had the Sma, the Chalkas Machokek, the Taz, and later the Shach a little bit. Um, you, you had the Shalah Kodesh. You, you had almost all the Gdole Achronim that we can think of. That was the Tkufa they lived in. There were times when they were all overlapping with each other. Um, the Marshal was also Balacha. The Levush. All of these were, the Maral was more the beginning a little bit, but all of these were living that Imral was in Prague, but they were all living that Kufa. So it was a, it was a Kufa of extraordinary Gedolei um, HaAchronim, the, the beginning of HaAchronim, and it was an extraordinary, one of the illustrious Kufas in Galisrael. It was, it was an incredible door. Let's talk about the unique feature of that generation. Um, it's interesting because people keep hankering for things and they don't know exactly what it is that they're yearning for. It was the, the largest Jewish autonomy was in that Kufa, and it was called Vad Arba Ratzos. Vad Arba Ratzos was um, an independence, an autonomy granted by the Polish king in 1550 or so, and it lasted till 1760. It was the Jews can run their own lives. They are totally beholden to their own laws. They they are judged by their own laws, and so on. Now it wasn't out of a tremendous sense of chesed and hakara in the in, in the in the, the flaws of the of Klai's but the dinim. What happened was the kings tried to collect taxes from Jews. Not an easy task. So they got to an agreement and they said, Rabbi Sai, let's deal with you globally. You're your own community. You're expected to pay as a community X amount of tax. You figure out how to do it and we'll let you have your own life. The Poles were interested, and Poland those days included a huge country. Poland those days um, included Lithuania included parts of white Russia, it included southern parts. It, it, Poland was a huge, and again, it wasn't a real country, it was more an area sort of ruled by that. And the Jews, they were called Arbarotsis, four countries, 
together. There's actually five at sometimes, down to three sometimes. With the Jews ran their own life, and they they had the power to tax, to fine, to punish, to do anything. It was an incredible tkufa. It was run by Balabatim, Balabatim who took care of a that make sure the money for the government was collected. B, they also needed to make a lot of rules and regulations. Can another guy open up a butcher when one guy has a butcher? How big does the town have to be until it sends somebody to the to the Dvaravats and so on and so forth? They would get together um, once a year in a big Yurid. A Yurid was a fair. In those days, that's how they did markets. People would come together. They didn't have online yet. And there wasn't any way. If you had something, there was no eBay. <laughs> so they would show up in Lublin at the Yurid. And everybody would bring stuff to buy and to sell and to hawk and to do business and to invest. Everything was done then. And the Vad Arbarotzes, the Balabatim would meet and they would make takanis, like, you know, and, and the Rabbanim would meet and they would try all the entires. So they had, at, at, at its peak, they had like smaller Dayanim try local cases and big Dayanim try like massive cases. They had like which particular case went to each one. That was Vad Abaratzos, and those were and and th- that was the Tkufa he was in. It, it meant that the Marshal was one of the people who would sign on a lot of these takanas. We have a signature. The Marshal was so 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 this is the Tkufa they lived in. The Marshal, it was also a bit of an affluent times. People had left Germany where they were being constantly squeezed out by the Goyim and just robbed of their money and Poland was benevolent because the Jews gave them something they couldn't possibly they were primitive farmers they couldn't run business commerce industry anything and the Jews did that they were the craftsmen the artisans the businessmen and Poland prospered under them it also created a lot of bad feelings because it's not nice when you don't feel good when somebody moves in and he's running the show it might be he's capable of running the show you can't but it's still not doesn't doesn't lend some good feelings that created, but but for those two hundred years or so, things were good, and then Poland got dismembered and taken apart by other countries, eaten up by Russia and Germany and Austria and every other country, and and until World War One, they basically were not much of a country, and um, they, they they and and it became bottled. So he lived in that Kufa, the Marshal. The um, the Marshal was born in 1555. And he died in 1630. He was born in a city in. He was born in Krakow. It's not clear, but pretty much Krakow. It's one of German. It one of the Polish cities. What's interesting is he had a yeshiva. He he got married, and he had a mother-in-law named Edel. And she was a wealthy woman and a, and a tremendous tzaddikis, and she held out his yeshiva. She had, uh, you know. Yeah, it's three people to, 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 when you want to sit and learn you look for a father-in-law those days you look for a mother-in-law who was uh, wealthy and a tzaddikis and he gave and she had a, a yeshiva for 20 years he sat in Pozen where she was and they had the yeshiva and then later on when she passed away he needed to go on to other places to Helm and to, and to, and to Lublin and finally to Austria um, it, it, his name Marsha is a Shmuel Edels. Edels meaning the, the one who belongs to Edel because she supported him. 
there were two people in that kufa that, that were named like after a woman. The Mashos, Reb Shmuel Edels. The Bach is, is Reb Yoel Circus. Circus means the one who belongs to Sora. Like Sora's, so it's Circus. You know, Circale, whatever. Circus means Sora's. So he also, it was obviously um, a big tzaddikus and, and held by her, supported by her, and and he calls him Rebiel Circus. That's how his name is known. So Mashos of Shul Edels. Some people contested this. Achsidish Rebbe said Chasid called a woman's name. It is really Mashos of Shmuel Aliyaz, which was which is his name, and they just whatever Edels. It's not true. The Mashos himself signs Edels in quite a few places. Edels was the name that he that he used and went by because of obviously because of tremendous Sakar Satov to his mother-in-law for supporting him in, in yeshiva twenty years. The, the Marsha, um, it's, so we're going to see some things in the Shedushia Goddess that are um, that deal with his what are what are the problems of his generation and. It's funny because uh, you know when you, you hear these endless schmoozing about you know our generation, the old generation, you, know, you have the thing. I, I want to read some of the things he writes about the problems of his generation. Um, okay, one, it's the problems of his generation. It's a Gemara on Shabbos. Vama Rabba lechorbi Yisholayim el b'shul sheposke bene anshe mana. Rabbi says Yerushalayim was destroyed because there were no honest people left. <coughs> and then he writes like this. Most of these Averis that are listed here are in our generation. And I would say it says almost all of them. Isuri Shabbos Shabbos, me'at mizer shenis harim behem. Very few people are really shayim Shabbos and all these surim the way they should be. The rabbis and the yodim be surim, and many don't know many of these surim. The roi bechol kehila lo dia be rabim lidrash lahen la dia surim. And it would be right that a rav would get up and speak about isurim Shabbos. O bechol matzah Shabbos. What do you do matzah Shabbos? Rabim heim. There are many. They get drunk on Matzi Shabbos. And they don't get up in the morning for Krishna Shabbos. Bittle Tinoikash of Beis Rabban. Bittle Torah of kids in schools everywhere. Gamma Bachurim Mevatan Reva Yame Beinazmanim. Volkham Bechovos Bibitulim Vitulim. And even Yeshiva Bachim Beinazmanim spend most of the days. Going around for Tiyulim in different places, um, you know. I, if somebody would ask you where, where when it was written, you, you, you know, it's two, you'd say two, 2050, not uh, 1550. What? Where did they go to Tiyul? He doesn't write quite. The Indian He says, and some in an area where even big people are nichshol, who parrots with their People want to be rabbanim, even though they're not tamei And people want it because they want to, you know, walk around study, maybe button clothing, houses, or bechol dava. 
Um, and that's how and people cheat because of that. Nobody gives to Chacha. Um, that you know, if you say, why don't you tell him you're doing wrong? Say, Spasnish, no, I, I'm, I'm worried about his covet. But especially also give you to Chacha, people feel very, very free to, to, to be Mavaza. People don't deal honestly in business. People borrow without paying. And people who I raised should think about what I wrote. said, I would like to be Meirich on it. But he says, "Amarti ulai loyem ashkir bedavar." I said, "Maybe it's mutav shushayim al yemidzidin." Now he speaks about something that's a, a sore point. And again, I, you, you would say this is a gemarring subis. Rabim bedorazeh shemekapsim oizer shaloybe muno bechil Hashem. Many people today become wealthy dishonestly and with chil Hashem. Kigzelas akum so like cheating goyim. They donate a lot of that money, they have a lot of COVID. And to make a Mishabeirach, I guess they didn't have dinners yet in those days. <laughs> it's a mitzvah. And that wealth will not last. He speaks about different. Kodesh. So first of all, I don't know exactly. He refers to a minog of um, he, he refers to minog of chazonim. He says this is in in Tainus. He says Epifrati says bismarazeh ruvam begezel and the chazonim this generation is skyma bevarad ivreim lefisha ena chazonim royim lemshum michia. Chazan doesn't look for any parnasa. Raksayim chazolech misuda lesuda. They go from house to house eating sudas. Gam besudas shush levakish befe oichlom mischani ginasam. They demand for for food for for their singing. Veshmias koyl v'mishdayin at at drunken revels. V'noisim bal karcha beschirus v'derech koyfin atsheim aroitzani. And they force people. They come. They sing and they pressure them to pay them. Rabbonis. Now he says about Rabbonim, he says two places. It used to be the Minhag, people want to be Rabbonim and they paid for it. And this is in a Marsha in Balbasra. Where is the first Marsha in? Which one? Which the Chazanim one or the other or the cheating? The cheating one is Ksuba Samach Zayin. The the Rabbanim is in Babasa in Gimel. He says, he speaks about Kaira Fadosi. K'moi bezman adora zeh b'avasena Rabbim sheroyin limnas lem Rabbanim b'shvul oishev imamin sheroy behem. They they appoint Rabbanim that are wealthy because they like the money. Um, he says it also in um, they made a takana 
he says in the Gemara Subis about people who know a little bit Torah, like this one, Misar Misim, Misar Musin, he says, Babanena Rabbim Me'arbonim Nishalech Shalom Ze'ador, it says you shouldn't make um, you shouldn't give smicha to people that are ganovim or people that know very little and he says in, in our door unfortunately it's been a very mekuyim so it was a big problem and by the way he also says it in one more place this is in Sanhedrin which is probably most outspoken about it he says um He says he speaks about the Gemara that says that Rabbonis is really a type of Shibud and Avdus. He says Vyeshla Hoshibaze the Loy Hoshib Minu Harashus for Rabbonis La Avdus Al Mishas Manal Sarchai. Someone that did it for himself. And he says over here uh Hare he says, Sha'ila Khachama for some in Burkhoim in Asrara, and Loitzer Panasasam, Shenasam Ka Avdus. Big time Chacham would run away from Rabbanis unless they needed for Parnasa. The people who think they're Chachamim, they want to rule over the Tzibur Shalalashem Shemayim. They buy jobs. And the reason they do this for covet for Torah they don't possess. Therefore, in the Yishalmi it says the royal of you should be mevazerem and so on. So he speaks very, very strongly about some. And by the way, it was not uncommon practice to sell rabbanis for money. I don't want to get into a, another topic, but the, the famous story to Vilna Goyen that he was arrested. People somehow tied up with Rabbi Ben Aguer with this. It's not true. He was arrested because the Rabbanis of Vilna had been sold to somebody. And uh, seriously, and it was, the person was a fine person. It, it, it was a prestigious job. His, his family was rich. And they promised Vilna 20 years to pay community taxes on their behalf. They said, great deal. It's a win-win situation. You know, he, he, he's... And then they got into a fight and the whole town got into a fight and somehow they they whatever it was they dragged the guy in and so on but that's that that was the type of fights he writes about Shatchanim that many of them say bad things about the people that Shtuchim about and so on and so forth very critical in these areas so this is this is some of the the and the Vad Abarots is made Takonis one of Takonis was that you can't buy a Rabbanis it was considered a norm of sorts even, you know, that they have to make a takana for it. That was one aspect of that generation. I want to speak now about the learning a little bit. Um, it, 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 there, was, there was a... Um, it, the door before him was a Rabbi Yaakov Polak and Rabbi Shalom Shachna. And they were considered big Talmud Chachamim. And they were huge Talmud Chachamim. They, they spoken of awe. They were also known of Bali Pilpul and Chilukim and so on. Let me explain a little bit. We don't know much today because not much of it is written down. But there were three or four methodologies of learning that, that are extinct today. They were called Regensburger, Eisberger, Nuremberger. They were all German towns. Eisberger, and there are a whole and a few more. 
let me give you a flavor of what it was like. It, it was a type of pill pool that many, many, whenever you, you hear about the pool and Shalhevel and so on and so forth, it usually refers to this type of thing, and he himself writes it also in the Masha. And I think that the Masha's learning came la fuki from that. They would have the following type of pill pool. You have a sugya, and the sugya brings a brice that they ask a kasha from. It doesn't bring only the piece, the, 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 the kasha, it, it brings the whole brice. So why did you need to bring the whole brice? So a whole shtigl Torah as to what would be schwer if you, um, if you didn't bring the second after brice. Despite that the normal understanding that we have is, you know, he finishes the words he said, like he's not going to bring just a line. It's not. It's not a beer. I grow. He just brings the three words and the chulu. But 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 so there would be a whole shigotar in that. There was a given for some reason. They assumed that the makshin and tartsin both knew what each one held. So if somebody asked a shaila and somebody bought a raya and somebody slogged up the raya, so you couldn't just say, well, he thought this way, he answered this way, and he asked from here. So you would, so it was a whole lamdish thing that I wouldn't call lamdish, but complex thing that the the Tartsen made a mistake as to what the Makshin had asked. The the the, the second Makshin realized that the Tartsen made the mistake, and there was this whole huge um, pilpul as to what, and and it would get very complex as to what the first Makshin made a mistake. In the in the Bala Memra's Memra and and what the Tartsa made a mistake as to what the Makshan said and the mistake that the third person made when he answered the second person's kasha and, and it was a whole credible binion built on Hasharas. There's no remis faith. There would be <coughs> a type of in halacha that all sheetas have to agree. So even after Khilik Mifurish, they would work out a whole stickle tire that they're not cholik. And and became incredibly complex. I once saw. I was looking for it again. I couldn't find. I don't remember where I saw it. I had it. Had a printout of it. It was a whole pilpul where twelve kashas <coughs> on Rashi in the sugya, twelve kashas on Taisis in the sugya. The the last kash on Taisis answers the first kash on Rashi. The the second to last, the second. A whole huge web, crazily complex. And these were called chilukim. And, and and they were they were uh, um, ex- they took an extraordinary amount of mental effort, but the but most all of the Shalom writes about this horribly. He says you know people tell me that this is this is the beauty of Torah. The Kvosh of Torah says this is a mockery of Torah. It's a shtus and zavolim, very 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 sharply against it. He writes also that most of the people you have the light. Uh, the Masha writes, and I and I think this was um, he writes over here. Yeah, this is Gemara about Metzia. He writes about the mile of Pilpul. He says Masha Enkin. So the Gemara says when they bubble, were not so hard if yes, as they answer so. So he says, "Mashikim they bavel the efshar shem mefalpulim dugmas chilukim shebedarazer." They were called the pilpulim were called chilukim. He says maybe they had the pilpul similar to our chilukim. Asher kol mia sheyodei lechavon atzara yoisem pilpul shel hevel. Whoever is able to dray a bigger pilpul shel hevel, harayz a meshubach. 
and everyone is just out to get the other one. Um, he says, and that's why, um, it, and he says, it drives me from emis. Um, so the idea that the and, and if you look at the mashai, I, I want to we'll, we'll finish soon with a letter from the Chazanish about it. The, the mashas kashes of, of the gedolei achreinim. I would say the two who stand out as the kashas that are the, the, their problems are problems no matter who you hold by is the mashana kivega. In other words, many times along the shakasha, a lot of time it's built on a sort of a subtle understanding that this is an appropriate way of looking at it, and you know this seems to be a din in the hefza. So why it's listed here? It's it's a type of question that has a certain assumption to it. The Marshall's questions are, however you'll touch and explain, if Taisa says this, he, he didn't need this. Either or. Th- th- you know, th- those kashas stand no matter how you, you lame. The Marshall's derech halimud in Pilpul and Halacha was extremely shadow-oriented in the most fundamental way. Marshall's tough. Marshall's not an easy limud. But but you can't ever give it the feeling that it's kind of up in the air. Who says? Maybe I'm not sure. His points are really solid. Fascinating. The Masha wrote only the chidushim that it was mechadish in yeshiva with a chabura. He used to be part of Vadaratzis and he used to go to the market to be read twice a year. There are two places in Shas where he finishes middle of Masechta. I also have that. One is the Shabbos Ayin Hayyam and Beis, and he says, Mikan at Sefer Perik, from here to the end of the Perik, I didn't want to write it in the Sefer. I was in Yeshiva, so I was in Yerid in Lublin, and therefore I can write it. In Sanhedrin Membeis also, he says, Mikan at Sefer Perik, so he felt that anything that he didn't write in yeshiva, since he didn't have the counterpoint and nobody to ask and to answer, to, you know, the back and forth, he didn't feel right that it was emes and to put it down. So this is, so the Mashon Halacha stands in that sense as a dogma in, in terms of going, you have to work hard on it. You know, Masha is not an easy safer, but it's very solid, and there's no way, not but, and it's not, and, and there's no way when you finish the Masha, you say to yourself, no matter how I'll touch and say the Kasha is a real Kasha, the point he's making is a very, very strong point. It doesn't move easy. And I remember the old days, the, 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 they used to print Gemaras without the riff. It, it used to have two types of Gemaras, with the riff, without the riff. Like, with the riff and run was was like uh, a bonus kind of. I, I remember, I, I didn't ever see it used, but I remember seeing old riffs where the riffs were printed as separate volumes, riff and run and so on. But, but, the, but, the, but the, the Gemaras that didn't have anything, all of them had Masha, Maram, and Mashal. That page, that, 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 that Gemara, that was standard. And in the Geren Yeshivas, um, the Limud was Gemara, Taisis, and Masha. Masha was like the primary eon. It was a very, very important sefer. 
there was a, a person, it's a fascinating story, that there was a person, Hungarian Yid, who, um, Hungarian Yid, who wasn't sure if his family got out or not, and he was very worried at the end of the war, and he came to Chazanish. His, his family had gotten onto a boat, then hear from the boat, and so on, and the Chazanish said, Hungarian Jewry learned Marsha really well. He said, a boatload of marshals won't get lost in the ocean. That's what the, that's what the Chaznish said. And again, whatever the Chaznish's personal hagoshes were. But, but saying that, he meant it. We'll see, we'll see soon in a letter they wrote. Finally, in, in Agada. So first, I wanted... To, I, I, okay, um, a few points. Agadita, almost nobody had ever written a Purish on Agadita in any, in any normal way. Certainly not as comprehensive as the Marsha. The Marsha originally wrote it on a Yaakov as a separate sefer. It was two separate sefarim. He laid out Harata and he said, I did wrong. And he said, very interesting, why? He said, Ravina and Ravashi mixed Agadita into, into the Gemara. I don't know why in middle of Brachas you start a huge amount of Agadita, Milsad Hedjin, why in this period, that period. But, but they didn't make two sefarim out of it. They didn't make an Agadita sefer and Allah sefer. So he said, so it's wrong to separate it. And I think his son-in-law in later editions put it together the way we have it in different uh, fonts, but, but, but that's the start. He writes against people, he's Mefarish Adar Pshat. He writes against people that learn Kabbalah most of the time, and it's a Gemara Chagiga. He says, Mikan the people of today's generation who spend all the time learning Kabbalah, Gambi al even when they're young, he said, if it's something other than the Maizmer Kabbalah, why is it mentioned anywhere? He said, it's something that should be hidden. People shouldn't be public about learning Kabbalah. And I wrote, said in Asar Yuchsin, that we, you, you should go out against people <coughs> who speak about Barabim. He himself in Agadata has many different pshatim. The one thing I would like to comment is some Agadatas, he says, happened in a dream. They didn't happen, in fact. In the Gemara about the Maisa Bechasid Echad, that, that he went to the Beisach Kvaras Olel night, and so on and so forth. And he said, Maisa Bechasid Echad, Kvanishkashu, but they said, how could a Chasid go to, to a night of Rosh Hashanah to go to Beisach Kvaras alone? It makes no sense. It's a Makam Tumah, and so on. So he says, therefore, I think the Ritvaz Pshad is right. It happened in a dream. He writes in different, he says in a place, Derech Marshall. It says that Hananim Shazayah drowned in spit. He says it's a metaphor. He writes about numbers. It's fascinating. Whenever the Gemara uses 300 or 60, he writes it's a guzma, meaning it's just a number indicating a huge amount. When the Gemara uses 13, he says that's Badafka, 7 or 13. It says, because those numbers are meaningful numbers. In Kabbalah, they mean something, and therefore those numbers are, are to be understood literally. And but he was the Baal Pshat Nagarata. He, some of Pshat, he was Mefarish Alpidar Pshat. 
the famous Gemara where the Melech asked was, what do I smell good? Why is the Shabbos food good? He says, we have a spice called Shabbos. He says, it means, there's a, one of the spices is called Shabbos. And it's, it's, a, it's a Gemara Lashen. He, he's very, in, sometimes he's noted to Pshat, sometimes he said, Chazal meant it, it scientifically. He's very, very mixed in how he looks at it. And it's the only, it's the first comprehensive statement we have really on Agathis that are there pshat. Morale is, is very difficult. Morale is a difficult safer. This is a first safer like that. And that's and that's a Yerusha of his. Um, we have it, it, I want to finish with a letter that Chazanish wrote about it. But um, two things. First of all, there's one in, we don't have any chuvis, but there's an interesting um, piece, a hint at something. He seemed to have had a very sharp machlokus with the, with the Marami Lublin. They were in the same city, and there was seemed to have been a story with a get that the Masha was Makel and the Marami Lublin was was Machmer, and there was a lot of back and forth on it. And it seems to be some enmity. The Marami Lublin brings him uh, many times and never mentions him by name. Say so someone says it's this, but it's a mistake, and so on. Um, the Marsha at the end of Mesetis Gitna, if you'll take a look, has a piece after the Gemara, and he says, I wanted to add something about a certain type of get that we do. It's Pasha, this way they do it, and so on and so forth. It gets Shimira with writing a client, it, not writing it. It, it, it sticks out, and it was written to answer Raman Lublin. There's one Shuva in Raman Lublin, it's Kufchavav, where he writes to the Marsha Shuva, and he says, You know, on on what was 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 let bygones be bygones and he and he and he refers to him as his mechutan. they had i don't know if they were real mechutan like with his daughter married son or vice versa i think his brother's daughter married son or something like that but that was that was a um, a very very fascinating end to what seemed to have been because they they people have gone through it the the the, the marami lublin will bring the marshal many times Without mentioning his name and arguing on him quite strongly, and this truva, he sort of, it sort of seems that there was something that 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 um, went on, and we don't, we're not uh, very, very, we, we don't know the details. It seems to be about this get, the, and then Marvin Lublin himself has a masmat about a get like it, so it seems to be left. Um, in looking for historical information about it, about the much like I told, this came out nothing. The, the Chidor is reliable. There was a Sefer called um, It Told Us Adam, written by Ruma Golias. He basically writes the few facts I told you. He takes many things I've, I brought, the, the Agatha things. He takes many, many more things and he weaves a huge thing out of it. But that's, you know, it's about his derech and his so on and so forth. Doesn't, there's not much, uh, he, he doesn't have more information. There are three or four Chassidish Mises, fantastic stories, philosophical fantasy, and, and about a whole thing, was Mechai Mesim, and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's alien to me, the whole Musig. Um, uh, you know, we say, uh, uh, Fritz Bechal, I mean, we say by Kodesh Baruch was Mechai Mesim. I didn't know the Masha was in that league. The, the, the Gemara says about Gedola Maroyim that Cotton Minaychu could be Mechai Mesim. That's it. We don't, we're not, a, we, Elisha was considered, and it's a whole, and there's no, there's no, on what, where did they hear it from? Where did, I mean, it's, 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 there's nothing, there's nothing that ties with the Masha and so on. If there's one thing, again, 
from my Amunas Chachamim. This is the 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 Chaznish writes the following letters. The first letter printed. He says, I, I must tell you, I'm upset. I'm upset about our generation that has stopped learning Masha. It's it's a He was mezak all the generations to train people to be Omul B'Toyre really. Real hard work is Avodah. And this is what Chazal meant when he spoke about how, in, how much Torah affects a person. They spoke about when you learn and you harvor. <coughs> and it's this type of strong learning of harving that turns a person's gashmis to ruchnius and makes his body a lot more uh, spiritual. And, 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 and they seep into a person's evarim to, to make them more mezuchach. This holy sefer who molis amlus bedvarim muchroyim vamukim. This, the Masha is full of real harvanya, real hard work on things that are muhra, meaning they make sense, the Seichel says it, and deep. And they train a person to think deeply and straight. And it helps a person remember each other, because you have to go through piece by piece again and again. What was the cash, what was the terrace, and, and so on. The door says, the door before me, they held very strong of it. And, and Rabbi Kivega didn't leave a thing out the Mashad they didn't look at. It's, it's true, it's printed. The, the, the Rabbi Kivega rarely looked at Achronim. He wrote some, I don't have time to, to look at Achronim. The Mashad by him was every Mashad. And from when they stopped learning Mashad, of those ideas of Pshat Kula, they've lost the sense of Pshat in general. They have light Iyun, you know, as far this way, as far that way, and so on. And they've stopped trying to understand the structure of the Sugya piece by piece. And there's nobody that's, that's trying to bring it back where it ought to be. And so on and so forth. So that was that's that's the the, the Chaznish had uh, for the Masha. Um because to learn through a Masha takes hard work, and it's not only hard work the Masha, it's hard work in the sugya. You need to go step by step by step to understand because that's what he's doing. Masha basics shows you how a step is missing, one step is not leading to the other step. It, 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 it's redundant. The mash, that's the Masha's learning. And the two key words <coughs> that the Chazanish uses here are Mukhra and Amok. It's not Svaris that maybe yes, maybe not. The things he says have to be, and there's depth to it. And, 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 and the truth is, a lot of Lambdas comes out of Masha because he basically, his Kasha a lot of times is almost a, a, a point in it, a tarot in itself. So, so um, we, we have some sense of Aleph 
of the godless of someone that's considered in, in Hungarian yeshivas, Marsha was the Sefer Iyun, and rightfully so. The um, and and it, it's it's a sense, it's a window into Tkufa. There was an extraordinary Tkufa of godless. It was a transition in learning. It was affluency with its problems of affluency. It was Kalal Yisrael um, having a self-government, autonomy, and with some fascinating um, aspects to it. Um, and, and also, the, the, the Masha paved the way for us in many things. And Agadita, to push it, to, to deal with each Agadita consistently and examine it in Pshat and so on. And uh, with Hey Kislev is his yard site. And there should be a message that we should be Omol B'Tayra and Behechro B'Omok, like the Chaznish says. Thank you. Uh.